Hi, I'm Maria Thehara Solvelosos on social media. Welcome back to So Organised Style Podcast. Stay listening. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Today, we've got Gabby Brown back on the podcast to do a deep dive discussion about the shoulder adjustment post that she's done on the Socialist blog. We've already had part one. So this is parts two and three because of the amount of detail and the wonderful research that Gabby's done for us. Hi, Gabby. Hi, Maria. Thanks so much. That was a really nice intro. It's wonderful to see you again and to also read your posts about shoulders. Did I go overboard? I might have. (laughs) It's all good information, always. I feel like the, the second post is the shortest of the bunch. And then the third post is really one that could have probably been broken into four and five. But yeah, I think kind of what I was going for is to use all three of the posts together in terms of understanding where the main fit issues come from in shoulders and then how to use measurements to fix them. And then how to understand how those measurements relate back to pattern world versus on your body and then what to pay attention to. And I know that that sounds like a lot when we're just talking about shoulders, but it's a huge fit critical area that I felt like we might as well do a deep dive. Exactly. And shoulder adjustments apply to tops, shirts, blazers, coats. It's how it hangs on you. And that's really important. Right. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of fit books, and I think we've talked about this before, a lot of fit books will tell you how to fix something, but not what the problem is or why it's there in the first place. Understanding that piece of information is super, super important. And, you know, seeing things on a mannequin, even if it's just a muslin mock-up, makes such a difference to say, oh, oh, that's what that drag line means, rather than, you know, oh, it's your sleeve that's too tight or whatever the case may be. Great. So let's jump into it. Yeah, that sounds good. When it comes to shoulders and sleeves, sometimes people look better when the sleeve is at the shoulder point rather than off shoulder because of the way it looks. Right. And that could be a design detail. But if it's a design detail, you'll see that the pattern is catered to that. If the shoulder seam is off the shoulder, you'll see that the sleeve cap itself is much shorter on the pattern to allow for that shaping to still work with the armhole. Now, when you see that seam sliding off the shoulder, and that sleeve getting super, super bumpy over the bicep with all these drag lines or, you know, collapsing and folding, that's when you know that there's something awry and maybe those shoulders need to be brought back up onto the body if you have a narrow shoulder. So that's when that would happen. And so understanding a sleeve and the height at the shoulder point, that's really important to understand at that point. Right, exactly. So there's two factors at play. The first being the placement of the shoulder seam itself. If we're talking about a standard set in sleeve, should circle right around your arm and then the top of it should sit right at your shoulder, the bend point that we talked about in post number two, the acromion point, which is the outermost point of your spiky shoulder bone on the back. So you really want that circle to perch on top of your shoulder. And when it doesn't, either it's stylistic or there's a problem. Usually when a sleeve is fitted right onto that point. Mm -hmm. There's always a bit of ease that's required when you're setting that sleeve in. And I know a lot of people find that a bit of a challenge. Yes. 
the second part of what is super important about a set-in sleeve is the sleeve cap and understanding the height and the width and how those two things work together to create that circle shape that makes up the armhole. So some people, like the great Kathleen Fascinella that we talk about in my pods all the time, (laughs) argues that you don't really need sleeve ease along the length of your sleeve cap. And I tend to agree. If you have enough width through the sleeve cap itself, you shouldn't need that much more ease along the seam line unless you're doing something that has a bit of a puff or needs a little bit more body to roll over something like a sleeve head or a shoulder pad. But then there are other people who say that, of course, a sleeve should never be without sleeve ease when you're setting the sleeve into the armhole. So two schools of thought really just kind of depends on what kind of a sewist you are. I prefer without, but that doesn't, you know, make or break the fit on it. It's really more about making sure that you have enough width in your sleeve cap and enough height. Something, again, like a drop shoulder, the sleeve cap height might be something only two or three inches from your bicep line to the top of your armhole seam line. Whereas a standard set-in sleeve for women's or female shapes would be somewhere between five and a half to six inches. So making sure you have enough shape that your hand can fit inside to make sure that you have enough space, it's a good trick to do. You throw your pattern down, pop your hand on top. And if your hand fits in easily, it's probably a good place to start. Because at the end of the day, whatever you're wearing, if you get in the car and you start driving, you don't want it to rip. Right. You don't want to hear that rip sound (laughs) because it's too tight. Right, exactly. And that brings me to the opposite end of the spectrum from a narrow shoulder, which is a broad back. A lot of people think that because their sleeves are fitting tightly, that means they need to do a broad back adjustment, but that's not necessarily the case. And that goes back to our sleeve caps. If you have enough space through the sleeves, you should be able to tell if you really actually need a broad back adjustment or not. So if you are feeling tight and constrained and you can't bring your arms forward, I would check a muslin on your body without the sleeve on it to make sure that the armhole is sitting where it's supposed to be sitting. Yes. So that's first thing. Second thing, once you have the sleeve on it, you can look and check the sleeve actually for any drag lines on the sleeve itself. If you see drag lines where the point of the drag line is at your underarm and you can feel it tight over your overarm, that means the sleeve is too tight. That doesn't necessarily mean you need a broad back adjustment. If you do need a broad back adjustment, usually what you'll see is horizontal pull lines in between your shoulder blades on the body. And then your armholes on the back specifically will start to look like inverted C's because they're pulling that sleeve. They're borrowing from the sleeve to give to the back. All of that information is useful once you've had a go at sewing clothes for yourself. So if you're a newbie, you're probably more likely to choose patterns that have sleeves that don't need to be set in or that are capped, sort of that come off. Mm -hmm. But once you get used to construction, then as a newbie sewer, you can start picking up those skills and trying garments with sleeves in. Right, absolutely. So in post number two, I made kind of a chart to see if you have an across shoulder measurement. So we we talk about it in the post on how to take that measurement on yourself, on your body. You don't need a fit buddy for it, which makes it great for pandemic times. (laughs) So, but once you have that measurement, what are you supposed to do when you're looking at a pattern? Like, how do you relate the two? So in the post, I show how to compare it to a couple of different pattern types with different construction details. And basically it's just assembling the pattern. 
so it looks like it would. So if it has a shoulder yoke, making sure that the yoke is pinned to the back body, and then you can measure the shoulders to make sure that you have a good range between your pattern measurement and your body measurement. So you obviously don't want something that has like a huge difference between the pattern and the body. I think it's much easier to choose a pattern size based on your shoulder width than it is based on your bust. And I think that's why the high bust system exists for patterns, because they want to try to get you this really great fitting top block. But so often, you know, making body circumference adjustments on a pattern is so much easier than messing around with armholes and necklines on the front and the back of a pattern. And then once you've messed around with the armhole, what about the sleeve? And what are you supposed to do then? And it becomes a whole thing. So if you choose based on the shoulder in the first place, it is so much easier. This chart is basically different garment types. And then what I think would be an ideal tolerance. Say you have a set in sleeve and you measure your body and then you measure your pattern and you only have about a quarter inch difference between the two which I realize falls within the scope of a normal grade rule. You should be fine to choose that size based on if you're looking at your other measurements or your cup size or whatever. However, if one of those two is like three quarters of an inch different from the size that you had wanted originally, I would say go back and choose something that's closer to what you actually measure. In books, you know, you can say, okay, measure your body, measure your pattern. But once you have those measurements, how do they marry back to each other. What are you supposed to do with them, right? Like I can write them down on the measurement sheet. You know, so many blogs and everybody nowadays has these little takeaway measurement sheets where you can write down your body or blah, blah, blah. But once you have that, what are you supposed to do with it, right? So so I want people to understand specifically for shoulders, how they work together. So we've talked about set-in sleeves. Mm -hmm. We've talked about sleeves that are sort of, that come from the bodice itself. So you don't actually have to sew them on. Right. So the other example that you had were the raglan sleeve examples? Yeah, so raglans are really tricky in that they have the whole sleeve portion and then your bicep, but then they also include the whole top of the shoulder. So whatever fit issues you have in your shoulder also go into the whole armhole. So it's important to know, to go back to the first post, what too much and too little shoulder slope look like because those same issues will present the same on a raglan for the most part. You know, your neckline might stand away or you'll get drag lines pointing. So if you know that, then you can kind of start to figure out how to adjust that. The tricky part about a raglan is because it's all one piece, you have to be able to move those lines, your front and your back, shoulder and armhole lines, where you need them to go. So there do exist a bunch of slash and spread videos and how-tos, but slashing and spreading the cap of a raglan only is really tricky to do. So I would recommend fitting a muslin first before you do anything. And I know I always say fit a muslin, but in the case of a raglan, it's really worth it to do that because sometimes you'll get a drag line or some pulling because you have the whole set of your shoulders are within the top of the garment and you'll need to adjust. Maybe, maybe you have a narrow shoulder, maybe you have a broad back, you need to know where that shoulder placement is on the raglans, and that's not necessarily marked on the patterns. So to be able to get that, you can pop the muslin on and then pin on the muslin where your shoulder placement is or mark it with a pen, whatever it is. Then you can transfer that back to your pattern and use that to figure out what you need to do, where you need to give, where you need to take away. Or alternately, if you know your cross-back measurement already, 
and you can line up your pattern pieces. They kind of look like a flower as you're arranging them for a raglan. The back will be kind of on the top. Your sleeve comes out from the back. Your front panel is here. Then going from your center, you can measure out to half of your across shoulder and then mark that and that's your shoulder point. That is how you would use a shoulder measurement to go back to a raglan pattern. And listeners, that description that Gabby's given, she's actually got those diagrams on the blog post. Yes. So there is an image there. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll be linking to those blog posts as well for this particular podcast. Right. So that's kind of where grown-on sleeves themselves, such as a dolman or a batwing, again, those shoulder placements will not be marked on the pattern unless you're very, very lucky for whatever reason. So you can use that same methodology popping on a muslin or using that measurement to find the shoulder placement on a grown-on sleeve. And then for a grown-on sleeve, you can make the same adjustments that you would for a set-in sleeve if you need to move that shoulder placement. Maybe you want to adjust the sleeve length. You wouldn't just take it off of the end of the sleeve at the cuff. I mean, you could. But then if you need to adjust the placement of, say, the bottom underarm shape of a dolman, you would want to just move that whole thing in so then you could retrue it rather than, you know, you end up with all this excess at the bottom because you only took it off at the sleeve cuff. It's good that you've got the raglan and grown-on sleeve examples. Working in a COVID environment and we're working from home, a lot of people would prefer to feel more relaxed at home. So while, you know, we have these Zoom meetings for work, (laughs) we still need to look good from the waist up. So having comfortable but presentable tops and jackets are really important Mm -hmm. for those of us who are working. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the other examples is we're talking about, you know, If you're still having mobility issues in something like a set-in, the other thing that you would want to check for in addition to your sleeve cap width and height is if your armhole is too low. So how do you tell if your armhole is too low, right? (laughs) Yes, please. So again, you're going to have the same kind of issues. You're not going to be able to move your arms forward. You're not going to be able to pick them up because what's happening is your armhole is being sewn to the body of the garment at a lower point than it is. So then it's going to pull down on the top of your arm as you're trying to move it up or out. If you're having that problem, I would look at the depth of your armhole and see if you need to raise it up. An easy way to tell is just to grab the front of your armhole with your opposite hand and pull it up to where it's comfortable and you can start moving your arm back and forth again. Okay. Then you can pin that and raise your armhole up that same amount. What I've found in sleeveless tops, and this is different, Mm -hmm. is when the armhole is too high, then I have to drop it down. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not attached to anything, right? Right. (laughs) Yes. Got it. Yes. So on a sleeveless top, you're going to want to have kind of a a happy balance between being bra friendly and mobility friendly. So you don't want anything that's too high, but you also want a little bit of front coverage so you don't show your little chicken nuggets, right? I know a lot of women are conscious of that. You don't have to, of course, you can do whatever you want to. But then, you know, if you're wearing a bra or whatever, you might want to cover that as well. But you also don't want it too high that it's like cutting into your arm as you're moving. However, on a sleeved garment, at least I think I prefer a higher armhole because then I can actually move my arms to do things. Whereas if you are wearing a sleeve garment and the armhole is too low, you can really only carry it off if the style of the garment is super oversized in the body and the sleeve or the armhole. Or it's a raglan. And that's because a raglan, the construction and the shape of a raglan is very different than a set-in sleeve. So the set-in sleeve, because it encircles the whole top of your arm, will be more constricting that way. Whereas a raglan, because it comes down on your body in more of a V shape, 
if you have a lower armhole, you still have more range of movement because there's nothing holding it to the top of your shoulder. So that's where you'd be able to get away with it. Then there are all the other adjustments for sleeves. If you've got sloped shoulders or square shoulders. Yes. So, and that's one thing I really wanted to make sure I had visual examples for because, you know, books will say, if you have a squared shoulder, this is the change that you should make. And most of the time I'll look at it and be like, well, I'm, how do I know? You know, it's mm-hmm. to give you a measurement to show you what that looks like. Sometimes they'll have drag lines. There's no arrows pointing to where the issue is or whatever. So I want it to be super, super clear. Say, this is what that drag line looks like. So the tricky thing is, is now you know what that drag line looks like on muslin. <laughs> yeah. Where it gets tricky is identifying that same drag line on a fully constructed garment in, you know, silk or something like that. So that is where I would say, if you think you know what the issue is, go ahead and fix it, but muslin it in something that's very similar to what your end project is going to be, because it might end up looking totally different than the muslin fabric that you're using or calico, depending on where you are in the world. Ray Cumbie said the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in. It's so funny. I know that there are different qualities of muslin, but muslin has this very unique capability of being able to show every single drag line. And in fact, kind of magnify them in a way that your eye is is drawn to it because the fabric is so plain and stark. It's almost like fitting with paper. So to be able to manage your expectations between what a muslin looks like and what a muslin in air quotes using a different fabric looks like, Mm -hmm. that's a skill and that takes time and takes practice. And it's something that you might not understand if you've just started to sew. Yes. But as you build on your skill set, you'll get used to that. Right, exactly. And I think this kind of touches back on something that we were talking about with Susan Kelji is that this is something you really have to keep practicing, keep iterating. And, you know, you have to keep looking at it over and over again. You can't just make one thing and think, you know, oh, okay, well, that didn't work out. I'm never going to touch that again. But there's really, you know, there's lessons and it's just about practicing and turning your skill set into a true craft or, you know, using this to make art, right? But you have to have that practice skill set in the very first place. You can't just pick it up and say, oh, well, now I know how to sew using a sewing machine. Well, sure. But there's all these other things that you have to do that really require you to practice. Even things like putting in a welt pocket. Mm -hmm. If you start off with something as simple as making a bag and having to do some sort of a rough pocket on the inside somewhere, Mm -hmm. that's got to be a whole lot less costly than if you were doing it in... (laughs) a wool jacket. Right. As your first run. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I'll use as an example, the whole pandemic thing of making masks. I had never made a mask before. And I was thinking, well, how hard can it be? It's so small. And then of course I picked one of the, you know, super constructed ones that's, you know, very face shaping or, you know, close to your face, not one of the little pleated guys. So I sat down, I made a couple and I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad but it still took like three hours. (laughs) I was like, what did I do wrong? The instructions say this only takes 20 minutes. And then by the time I had made a hundred of them, I understood why, because once you're so practiced, you're able to make those folds, you know, exactly where they all go. You don't have to sit there and question things over again, because you know, you know, if there's a problem, what the problem is, because you've done it so many times. Right. And that's just a super simplistic example. It can't really touch, you know, making an evening gown or whatever. (laughs) But it's really true, you know, sewing really does take a lot of practice and a lot of time. And as I always say to people who are starting out and they're starting out in their careers, so they're young and they're living their lives, I say, oh, I'd love to sew. It's like, 
right now you actually need to live your life. <laughs> leave the sewing tool later when you've got the time. And I know that's probably not the right thing to do, but it's kind of like, you've only got 24 hours in the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it does, it does take a lot of time. Somebody was asking me recently for some tricks about fitting on yourself during the pandemic. How should I photograph myself? How should I blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, here's what I would try. Or, you know, you can always use your laptop to record yourself and then screenshot your recording. So that way you can see the whole thing all the way around. But also there are all these measurements and stuff you can do from the very first place, like a pre-fitting almost before you even get into the muslin. And once you get those steps down, it will make your fitting so much easier because you'll already have tailored your muslin to what you want it to look like by using these measurements, by doing things like checking your cross shoulder and checking your sleeve cap widths. And once you have a good idea in your head of what your sleeve cap is, what that width is at the top on a variety of different fabrics, you can check a pattern before you even cut it and say, oh, that's going to be too narrow for me. I already know that. And then you don't end up having to have an issue in your fitting, your self-fitting or whatever it is, because you've already checked for that. So those pre-fitting steps do save time, but you have to know how to do them, I think is the problem. And that's not really something that's explained so much. You're right. If you've got some experience with the pattern, you've done your pre-measurements, mm-hmm done your toile yeah. and then you want to make say four mm-hmm. for instance because you want to get you know a wardrobe done as long as you've got similar types of fabrics you'll get a really good result each time right yes <laughs> when you've got different fabrics that you've got to take into account the ease which is what you've been talking about with pre-measuring and understanding mm-hmm. your fabrics right exactly so for example if I were to take that sleeve cap width measurement on you know like an outerwear weight canvas something for like a trench coat. That cap width is going to look very different from something that's also, what if I used like a ponty jacket, which could also typically be like a layering piece of outerwear, right? But that sleeve cap width is going to be way different than the canvas simply due to the type of fabric that you're using and maybe the armhole construction for what you're wearing underneath it. But knowing those two things going in, So you can say, well, I've made a trench coat before and I want to make this other thing that is kind of like this sleeve. And I know my measurement from the trench. Let me look at this pattern and see if it's similar. And if it is, I can start, you know, and it it gives you these building blocks to start working from and kind of improve your sewing practice as you go by understanding how to use measurements as a tool rather than just taking them and not understanding how they incorporate into these other physical worlds, right? So when you're writing your blog posts, I know it's taken a long time to develop them because they are so thorough. Were there any references that you've placed into your blog posts that you didn't know about, which really opened your eyes to sleeves? A lot of this stuff are things that I do when I am sewing in general, but also I've been thinking about it now because Socialist is closing its doors. I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, like my very first post for socialists was this very hopeful, like, I want to teach you how to fit like people in the ready-to-wear industry. And like, how do you think like that? And I feel like these three posts are kind of the epitome of that because you're able to utilize measurements and go back to patterns and garments and use them all in concert. And I feel like in home sewing, measurements kind of get thrown out the window a bit people like to fly by the seat of their pants or they'll muslin and then put that back on the pattern, but they won't really understand the shape of it. Or, you know, I'm making a broad generalization here, but being able to use those three things together is kind of 
is super important and is what people do in the ready to wear industry. And that is how they fit. They're constantly looking at measurements to think, oh, well, is this working? Is this not working? You know, do we need to increase this? Do we know that our size XYZ requires a 23 inch thigh or, you know, whatever the case is. And having that in your wheelhouse, I think can only make you a better sewist because you'll have this like, oh, I know my body. I know that, you know, after I eat lunch, I'll be bigger through the abdomen. So maybe that's when I want to fit my pants to give you the tools to say, this is when I want to do things. That doesn't really answer your question. So <laughs> it comes down to the reality of how you want your clothes to fit uh-huh. and the amount of effort you're going to put into making sure that your pattern that you've, you know, you're trying to pattern mm-hmm. how it will work out every time you you decide to make it. So one of the things that I do is I actually put the date of when I last updated it because uh-huh. it might be three years down the track before right. I use it again. <laughs> and I know, you know, I'll have measurements on there. So give me an idea of, okay, so what are my measurements today and how do I want it to fit? Right. Yes, exactly. And people don't want to get that granular with things. And I do because I tend to be a little bit more anal. <laughs> But I think when you start to do that as you're in your sewing practice, you know, like people in ready to wear do that all the time because you have to get that granulin. If you're cutting orders of multiple thousands of pieces, you need to know what is going on with it. But it's the same purpose for your wardrobe, right? Like you're spending the money on the fabric. You're spending so much time thinking about your project. You're spending all this time to cut out the pattern and put it all together and make sure everything looks good and muslin it and then fit it. And you're doing essentially the same steps at a much smaller scale, but the investment is in yourself and in your wardrobe. So why not get that granular, especially if it's going to help you down the line, right? Yeah. If I'm making something, I think to myself, okay, I'm, I use eight hours as the basis of how long it takes to make anything. Uh And I sit there thinking, okay, this is what it is. This is the fabric. I'm going to spend eight hours. What else could I have done with that eight <laughs> hours? If this doesn't actually work. Yeah. And then I get, I'll either get started or find something else. Yeah. <laughs> I can't really limit my time because I never know, you know, what, what strange thing is going to end up popping up. You know, I've had something half sewn on my table for ages just because I keep getting other things thrown my way. But the other thing is, is, once I put the time investment in it, I can cut that pattern again and again and again. And it definitely won't be eight hours or the four weeks it took me to actually complete. <laughs> no, but the sense of pride that you get at the end of it, there's a shirt that I put a, a lot of time into last year that I was super proud of. It, it looks so expensive. It really does. And it's part of it is the fabric, but the other part of it is the construction. I don't know. It's one of those, it's a feeling that you get from having like a thing like that in your closet. Like if I were to buy something comparable in a store, it would probably be at least $250 to $300, which would be reasonable for the amount of work that went into that garment if I were to sell it on a rack. But because I made it myself and I took all this time to do it, it's priceless, right? Like it makes such a huge difference spending that time on yourself and putting so much into it. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to do. And those pieces that you've done and are proud of, you don't want to get rid of them. You want to be able to wear them. It's not fast fashion. This is like what's going to be taking pride in your wardrobe. Right, right. I know, And I'm not trying to spit on anything that's, you know, oh, I'm doing a bunch of t-shirts or whatever, because there's a place for that for sure. But I think that the two things can coexist 
I'll certainly sit down and whip out some pants for my kids. And then two weeks later, there's a hole in the knee and we're patching it again. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, you know, but there's a purpose for that. Right. And you can still feel proud of yourself for having made that in your journey. Right. You can do the fast sewing as well as the mm-hmm. bespoke sewing for yourself or for someone else. Right. Right. But having the tools to be able to make it much more elevated it's so important to be able to have the key to understand how that stuff all works together. And I think you've brought that out really well with all three of your shoulder blog posts. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It gives us the why we're doing those changes Mm -hmm. and all of the detailing as to how to look for the adjustments to make and how to do it. It's been wonderful. So thanks Gabby for writing those. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I know that there are so many tutorials and that's why I linked back to all these other ones because so many people have already put work into, oh, this is how you, you know, adjust for a narrow shoulder or broad back. I'm not going to put together a tutorial to rival that in any way, but it's so important to be able to understand why you would even need it in the first place. And I feel like that information exists, but it's hard to find. So you asked, what didn't I know? And what I didn't know was how much information there isn't on raglans. There is not a lot about how do you even find your shoulder or what kind of adjustments to do once you have it. And even the the resources that I was able to put together for raglans, and I'm sure that there are probably more, as much as I can find in in the time I've allotted for this, you know, there's still not even what to do for a baseball tee, what to do for, you know, I didn't even touch knit, which for raglans is a whole nother animal, but at least it gives you a starting point to sort of understand the shapes and how they work together. And you've done that really well. Thanks. Yay. I'm good. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah. The fact that you've done the research, you've put the details together. We can find them all in one spot in your blog post. It's such good information. And, you know, very thankful that you've gone to the trouble of pulling this all together for us. Oh, thanks, Maria. I'm glad. I'm really glad. That was kind of what I was going for is how do you understand all this stuff? But then where is it all? (laughs) It's in Gabby's blog posts. You're welcome. I Googled it for you. (laughs) Gabby, thank you for coming back onto the podcast to talk us through the latest work that you've done on shoulder adjustments because it's so invaluable and it's great to see you and talk to you again. Oh, great, Marie. It's always so good to see you. Thanks so much for having me on. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organized Style Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Gabby Brown, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, but with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Make sure you give us a five-star review and rating on the app that you listen to it. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at Soul Organized Style or on our website at www.soulorganizedstyle.com or on our Facebook page. Make sure you go back and listen to over 230 free podcasts now available. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.